It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. A quick reminder, we'll be at the Cambridge Science Festival in Boston, April 16th. StoryCollider.org for more details. This week's story is from Paula Croxon. The story was recorded in March 2013 at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The theme of the event was Brain Awareness. When I was a kid, we used to go down to see my grandma in London, uh, about a four-hour journey. Um, we go a couple of times a year. And I really love these trips. Um, my grandma was a really loving person. She was really fun to be around. And she was quite, quite mad, um, which just made it better for me, really. And uh, for example, we would go to the park. Um, but we wouldn't just go to the swings and the climbing frame. Um, she'd come armed with a huge red string bag of unshelled peanuts. And we'd wander off into the trees. And we'd be like, oh, the, the swing. <laughs> and, and she'd open the bag, and all these squirrels would come pouring out of the trees. And we'd feed the squirrels. And they were so tame, they knew her. They were so tame, they would come up, and they'd take them out of our hands. And this was way better than, than anything we could have imagined. <laughs> so, so, you know, then we would, on our way home, she would run across the pedestrian crossing before the lights had changed, shouting, never do this, listen to your mother. <laughs> and then we'd get on the bus, and she'd be like, remember, you're only 10. And, you know, we'd get on for half fare, and... <laughs> She'd, she'd be walking past someone's garden and she'd see a beautiful rose or something and she'd go, oh, that's a beautiful rose. They weren't going to look at it anyway and she'd just, she'd just pick it. <laughs> so we were broke into a park once because she was annoyed that it was closed. Um, so we just kind of lifted up the fence. We spent the whole day there. It was really great. So I thought she was, she was like my favourite person to go and visit and we had so much fun. And um, I don't really remember when things started to change. Um, but I must have been quite young, because um, my sister, who's two and a half years younger than me, doesn't remember that person at all, the person I think of as the real grandma. Um, one incident in particular sticks in my memory. I mean, there were little things. She would, like, you know, put the kettle on and forget that she'd done that. Actually, I do that. Um, <laughs> she, would, she would get her names mixed up, so she'd call me Japola. And she called my sister Pujuana, which was a lot harder to say, actually. And um, she would, you know, she'd, she'd make sandwiches without the filling. 
And, you know, we kind of laughed this off, and my mum said, oh, you're going a bit senile. And, and, but, but then a couple of years later, um, when I was in my teens, um, we went down for a visit, and we were sitting in the front room. Um, so she had a living room, but she also had a front room, because, you know, she grew up in wartime. And the front room was just for visitors. It had all the nice furniture, and it was a little dusty, because no one ever went in there. And we were visitors, so we were sitting in there. My sister and I were sitting on one of the sofas, and she was perched on one of the armchairs there, very sort of upright. And we were having a lovely conversation, and she stopped mid-conversation. She looks at us. She says, you're nice girls. Who are you here with? I was like, hmm, who am I here with? Um, <laughs> I said, well, your granddaughters. We're here with your daughter. Uh, we're visiting. We come every year. This sort of struck a chord with her. So she said, oh, my granddaughters. Oh, they're such lovely girls. She started to tell us about ourselves. Um, she got a picture off the mantelpiece. It was one of my favorites. Um, it was taken a few years ago when we were a bit younger. And my sister and I looked like twins in it. And she started telling us, you know, how much we like to dress alike and, you know, what we like to do. And, uh, you know, this whole experience was like an out-of-body experience for me. I was about 14 years old and I was in a room and I had no idea who I was. And I wrote in my diary later, I was 14, so I had a diary. I have no idea who I am anymore! <laughs> kind of dawned on me later. <laughs> But she had lost a chunk of her memory. And she knew she had granddaughters, and she remembered having granddaughters who were little kids. But she had lost all of the time during which we grew up into teenagers. In some ways, it got a little bit easier to understand later on, partly because I got older and slightly less dramatic. And <laughs> slightly. And partly because things happen more frequently. So she starts to forget whole conversations. Um, we'd be sitting in that same front room and she'd say, what do you want to do this morning? And we'd say, feed the squirrels. What do you want to do this morning? I mean, just, just like that, just like a reset switch had been hit straight away. Um, she started forgetting how to do things. So she no longer could make that cup of tea. She just couldn't get the order right. Um, she couldn't dress herself properly anymore. She'd either put clothes on over her pajamas, or she'd put her tights on over her skirt or something. But perhaps the most disturbing thing was the way that her personality changed. She, I mean, she was really one of my favorite people. So loving, so gentle, so much fun. You know, my mom would try and help her out. You know, maybe, maybe don't put the tights on over the skirt, just, just for today. And she'd just snap at her, just really irritable. Get away from me. I don't need your help. Um, you know, that was just so, it was so strange to see that. And, and seeing the effect it had on my mum was just, was just heartbreaking. She eventually forgot her way home. Um, at this point, she was sort of wearing her door key around her neck um, on a chain with a little label attached with her address because she would get lost so frequently. The police would bring her back to the house. She walked in front of a bus once and almost got knocked over. Um, I never know whether it's because she didn't recognize that it was a bus or whether she did it on purpose. Um, I'm not sure which I would have done. Eventually my mum and my uncle made the difficult decision to put her into a home and I still feel guilty about this but I stopped going to visit her.
I stopped calling her because she didn't know who I was when I called and afterwards she wouldn't have remembered that it was me who called her. I even stopped writing, which was her favorite pastime, because she probably wouldn't have even been able to read the letters. At least that's what the care staff told me. Around this time, I started going to university and I became interested in neuroscience. I actually wasn't particularly interested in neuroscience because I had a grandmother with Alzheimer's disease. I was just truly fascinated by what makes us tick and what the inner workings of our brains are. And so I started to take these neuroscience classes. And I was totally fascinated by hearing about these patients, known only by their initials, like HM, who had a particular kind of brain damage that led to a particular kind of consequence. So for example, they lost their memory. And I understood how important these patients were, but I just didn't make the link with my grandma and the fact that she was an interesting patient. To me, to me, you know, it's just a tragic story, really. Um, when I started doing my PhD, I worked in a lab where they did transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, what this involves is taking a loop of wire um, and placing it on your head somewhere. I'm, uh, apologies to any physicists or engineers in the room for this description. Um, they place it on your head over some part of your brain and they send uh, an electromagnetic pulse straight through your skull into your brain and they interfere with that part of your brain. So if they do this over your motor cortex, which controls your movements in your hand, for example, and you sit and you hold your hand out and they put the coil on your head and they fire the pulse and it sort of feels like being tapped on the head. They fire the pulse and your finger will jump. Totally involuntary, no control for you whatsoever. Um, just something straight into your brain. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. I volunteered for all of the experiments. <laughs> I also got paid 20 pounds. And in fact, it was so cool that if you fought it by pushing your fingers together, they fired that electromagnetic pulse, the jump would actually be even bigger because of the um, electrical activity already present in your muscle. It was a really most amazing thing, and I thought this was fantastic. But just imagine if your brain was doing that to you, not just for a few milliseconds, and you didn't get paid 20 pounds. And it happened all the time, just taking away control from you, taking away your memories, taking away your personality. That's what it was like for my grandma, and that's what it was like for us to watch her go through that. It wasn't until after she died that I started working on memory. And again, I didn't choose to work on memory because my grandma had Alzheimer's disease. I was working on a chemical called acetylcholine. Um, one of the cool things about acetylcholine is that it helps you recover from things. So for example, if you were in a car accident, um, maybe a mild car accident, um, you, or you were playing football and you hit your head, something like that, you might lose a chunk of your memory. We just heard about that earlier tonight. And, but over time, maybe you would regain some of those memories or some of your brain function. And you can do that because you have healthy levels of acetylcholine. It's really useful. I realized through doing my work that my grandma didn't have these healthy levels of acetylcholine. And all the other stuff that was happening in her brain through the Alzheimer's disease, 
the cells dying and the abnormal protein deposits forming and the unraveling of the very structure of her brain was just too much for her. She couldn't cope with it because she didn't have acetylcholine sitting around in her brain doing its job. And as I was doing these studies and I was thinking about what happened to her, it sort of gave me access to think about how she was before as well. It let me get back to that real grandma, the one that I now know I'm so lucky to have those memories of. I just hope I don't lose them. That was Paula Croxon. Paula is a neuroscientist at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, where she researches the brain mechanisms and chemicals that are responsible for memory. She's particularly interested in complex, autobiographical life memories. When she's not doing science, she plays the flute, and she blogs for Psychology Today. This event was produced in conjunction with B. Brainy NYC as a part of the Dana Foundation's Brain Awareness Week. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and our upcoming events. The Story Collider is a nonprofit, and we depend on you for our continued support. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider donating at storycollider.org slash donate. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel Shapiro. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Union Hall for hosting the show, and in advance to Spring for arriving. Thanks for listening. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.